Well, pull out your Bibles, open them up to Ezra. As you know, we started our journey through Ezra and Nehemiah last week. It's, it's exciting for me. I will put this uh, disclaimer, though. We only have 10 weeks to go through these two books. That means we, we do not have time to do what I love to do, which is the verse-to-verse kind of thing. So you're going to have to do some of that heavy lifting because I'm not going to be able to mine out all the truths, all the wisdom that is found in these scriptures. And so I have a challenge for you. If you're willing to accept the challenge, please be reading these books and not just once but read them over and over again Uh, right now i'm preaching on chapters three and four today and then next sunday i'll be preaching on chapters five and six so if you can get home and put that into kind of a daily rhythm read through those scriptures i I just really believe that if you can do that then you're going to be coming in already saturated in the word and then whatever i speak or one of the other pastors shares it's really just going to enhance what you've already learned and what you've already mined in your personal time with the lord does that make sense so chapter three and four today chapter five and six next week by the way the truths that are to be discovered in the bible in fact the bible itself in case you didn't know that's what we're all about so now you know it life spring is all about the word of god and and i get that we're in 2023 and there's a lot of things that we can be passionate about a lot of things we can be excited about right go mariners could you please just pull one out with the los angeles dodgers like last night was so frustrating but if we are to be desperate for something hungry for something passionate for something church could it be the word of god the word of god we are don't forget who you are we are people of the word and people of the spirit Say that again. Or say that with me. We are people of the word and people of the spirit. Do not try to live this life, the Christian life, without either the word or the spirit. So feast on the word of God. Quick recap, like real quick, if you want the full recap, you're actually going to have to watch Jesse's message from last Sunday. It's, it's on our podcast. It's on YouTube, those types of things. And, and yes, and thank you for praying for them. I got a picture from him. Uh, I got, uh, it was really fun. Maxwell's widow, Sabina, she has two daughters over there, and one of the daughters asked for a Bible. The other asked for some coloring crayons and and some coloring books, and it was really special. I got some pictures of them receiving the Bible and and the coloring crayons and the coloring book. And so they're over there. They made it. Keep on praying for them. They got two weeks over there. He will be preaching every day. Uh, Little does he know, sometimes it will be multiple times a day, and I'm really excited for, for him to get to know them, but also for them to get to know him and Debbie. But uh, in last week's sermon, again, a real quick recap, God's people, they are in exile, and they're in exile in a place that starts with a B. Anyone remember? Babylon. But then something amazing happens. Now, they're in Babylon, and Jeremiah, remember Prophet Jeremiah, he prophesied that you're going to go to exile into Babylon. But then Jeremiah also prophesied, but one day you're going to return back to Jerusalem. Now, by the time we get to Ezra, Babylon has fall. We now have Cyrus, the king of Persia. He's in power. And if you remember from last week, he orders this proclamation that the Jewish people can return and rebuild. It was a great message. Again, Pastor Jesse, it was awesome. And, and, and you can watch that online. But some of those passages that were covered, I read it again this week. They're just so good. Like, so Good. I love many of those passages. But did you notice like right away in verse 1, look at this, verse 1, chapter 1, it says that the Lord moved Cyrus's heart. Did that catch anyone else's attention? Like I, I read it this week. I was like, wow. In fact, the New American Standard says it this way. It says that 
the Lord Yahweh stirred up Cyrus's spirit. So the Lord stirred Cyrus up, and that's what initiated this return to Jerusalem. A little bit later, verse 5, again, I, I was like, this is so good. It, it says that the Lord stirred the people up. It stirred the people up to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of the Lord. That's what initiated their travel back to Jerusalem. And I was thinking, you know, they needed that motivation, didn't they? They needed that encouragement. You know why? Because they've been in exile for quite a while, for like 70 years. So think of it this way. Many of the people who were first exiled, who had to leave Jerusalem and go to Babylon, they're probably not even alive any, anymore, right? 70 years, it's a long time. So who is now going from Babylon to Jerusalem? These would be their descendants. And these are descendants who have done exactly what Jeremiah told them to do. Remember what Jeremiah said? Plant gardens, build houses, you know, marry, have children, all those things. Why? Because you're going to be here for a while. But now the Lord is stirring them up for something new. Oh, man. Life spring. Like right away, that leads me to point one before we even get to today's chapters. Some of y'all need to be stirred up by the Lord. I want to say it again. Some of y'all need to be stirred up by the Lord. You just know it. Like, I know it. I got areas, you got areas. And there are areas, you could even say it this way, that you're stuck. Anyone ever felt stuck before? Like mentally stuck, physically stuck, spiritually stuck. And, And what do you need? You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to help you get unstuck. And think of it this way. Maybe even what you're currently doing, like the rhythms and patterns of your life, maybe they have actually worked in this past season. Maybe it was even exactly what the Lord had asked and called you to do in this last season. May I say even for the last 70 years, but a new thing is coming. And it's only going to happen as you give the Lord permission to stir you up to do the new thing that the Lord is asking you to do. You need the Lord and his power to stir you up. And so I just want to ask the Lord right now, before I even move any further, that we would ask the Lord, like we saw with Cyrus, like we saw with God's people, that we would be stirred up for God's plans, for God's purposes, for God's kingdom. Because, by the way, God does have a plan. Did you know that? Did you know that? Maybe. You're like, I don't know. Uh, Dan, are you living in the same world I'm living in? And that's what I keep on encountering is people of God who are acting as if God doesn't have a plan. So many people living in fear as if God is no longer on the throne and God no longer has a plan. But church, God is always working in the darkest night, in the longest day. God is at work. And so no matter how you came in today, could we just be brave and could we be bold and just say, stir me up, like stir me up. In fact, just repeat after me, stir me up, O Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory. I want to see your kingdom come. Come on, church. I want to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Declare it, church, in my life, in my family, at my job. In my church, stir me up, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. 
That could be a game changer for many of you in this room. I, I hope you're sensitive to the Lord's move in your life, even like right now. What is he doing? How is he wanting to stir you up for his kingdom and his plans? So here we go. We got a group of exiles. They've returned. It's a little over 40,000 who have returned. That's not all of the people, uh, but some of them. We got in this first wave a little over 40,000 they've returned. Let's see what they do when they return. Chapter 3, verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Jodadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of the God of Israel. They began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance. Why? Because it's in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So right away, what do they do? They build an altar. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. They build an altar. For them, this is so important. And it's really a powerful statement, isn't it? That they could have done a lot of different things. Jeremy Folsom and I were talking about this. There's a lot of things they could have done. And yet the first thing they do, the first thing to be built is an altar. An altar, think of an altar as a way to connect with God, right? It's a place where you can, uh, you know, come and bring all these tokens of thanksgiving. It's where you show your gratitude, your appreciation to God. It's where your sins are covered. In so many ways, think of it this way, as they're heading back into Jerusalem, they're restoring that way that they connect to God. Restoring that way they connect to God. And the very next verse, verse 4, it says they celebrate, celebrate the Feast of Booths. Or maybe your translation says the Feast of Tabernacles. It says they celebrated this feast with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. They're again remembering what God has done for them. Remembering that deliverance out of Egypt. They're remembering what he's done in their past. But also I I believe this, that when you do something like that, you're also what? You're hopeful for what he's going to do in the future. Right? Does that make sense? They're looking and thanking and grateful for what he's done in the past, but also great expectation for what he's going to do in the future. And why would you do that? Again, you're connecting yourself back to Yahweh. You're connecting yourself back to what it means to be a follower of the Lord. Verse 9, Joshua and his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons and the sons of Hinnadad and their sons. So a a lot of sons and brothers, all Levites. Look at this. They joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. The New American Standard says working on the temple of God. All these men come together and they are, again, supervising those working on the temple of God. And then the very next verse says they laid the foundation of that temple. So as I was reading it this week, I was getting excited for these people. Like, this is fun stuff. This is, this is energy. Like, uh, and it's easy for me to be energetic. I get that. But I'm just feeling it. Like, they're coming back, and now they got the altar, and they got the festivals, and they got the foundation of the temple. But it gets even better than this, because it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments with trumpets. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to be quiet all the time? Levites with their symbols, they took their places to praise the Lord, as was prescribed. Described by David, the king of Israel, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, say it with me, he is good, his love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people, they gave this great shout of praise, a shout of praise to the Lord. Why? Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So that they began to worship, again, singing, Lord, you are good. 
Your love endures forever. But did you catch that they don't just sing? What do they do? They sing and they they shout. All the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. A good friend sent me an email this week that said that Hebrew word there, it's teruah, teruah. And he said it's the equivalent, the shout is the equivalent to the Seahawks Stadium shout that sets off a measurable earthquake. Anyone remember Beastquake? I mean, that just gave me goosebumps as I read that email. That kind of shout that these people are, are, are giving to the Lord. So what's going on? And listen, I think this really matters for us today. What's going on here? Track with me for a moment if you can. I I know there's a lot of distractions, but if we can just track with me for a moment. Again, you have to remember, these people, they've lived in a land in exile 70 years. They're coming back to Jerusalem. I was thinking about this. Remember when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt? Remember that? He took them out of Egypt. Do you remember what that was called? There's a whole book. Exodus, that's right, Exodus. So Ezra is describing a new exodus out of Babylon. Out of Babylon, back to Jerusalem. But do you remember that original exodus? Remember what happened? See, once God, and God does an amazing thing, right? Through Moses, and it's incredible. But once he removes his people from Egypt, now what? Right? What do we do? Now, now that we've been removed from Egypt, now what do we do? The Lord had to teach his people a whole new way of living. Does that make sense? Do you know how long they had lived in that Egyptian culture? Some people say it was over 400 years immersed in that culture. America, I looked it up, America's like 247 years old. So it's longer than America's been a nation. That's how long God's people were living in that culture. And yet, praise the Lord, God does what God does. He sets them free. He delivers them. He rescues them. He pulls them out, and he makes a new people, right? He makes a new people. It's his people, and he teaches them. He gives them the law. He gives them the commandments. He, he's teaching them. He, he shows them what it means to be his people. I mean, in the law, the commandments, it gets pretty detailed. It's like what to eat, what to worship, how to worship, just commandments and laws. This is what it means to be my people. So that's the original Exodus. But here we are again. God's pulling his people out of Babylon. Now it's ruled by a Persian king. But this remnant is set free. They're heading back to Jerusalem. But again, it's after a generation has lived in Babylon. They've lived in Babylon. They've done what the Lord asked them to do. They're planting gardens, building houses. They're married. They're having children. But now there's an Exodus to Jerusalem. And once again, I think as you look at these scriptures, I I, I see it, that God is showing them what it means to be his people. They're setting up these sacred rituals, these holy rhythms for what it means to be a follower of Yahweh. Again, you see it in the altar and the sacrifices. You see it in the celebration of festivals. You see it with the priests with the trumpets and the Levites with cymbals. You see the foundations being built. Worship is happening. Again, as these people, are you tracking with me? As these people are being brought out of Babylon into Jerusalem, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Yahweh. Now, I really felt this heavy on my heart this week, Lifespring, for you individually, but also for us corporately. As a people in Christ who are a people of a new covenant of his blood, 
people who have been rescued, delivered, brought out of slavery to what? Slavery to sin. As people who have been set free from sin and death, who have been now brought into a new way of living that is governed by the new covenant under Jesus' blood. I was thinking about this for myself, and I want you to think of this for yourself as well. Okay, if that's true, then I probably need to consider my life. Consider what I'm saying. Consider what I'm doing as one who's been set free, not just free, by the way, not, not just free to live under the law now, not free to now try to follow the law of Moses like what we're reading in Ezra. But, I mean, by the way, the daily reading plan has been incredible because we've been going through Galatians. Read Galatians chapter 2. Read Galatians chapter 3. Like, so powerful. It, it's telling you that your justification is telling you that your righteousness is not found in following the law, but it's found in what? In having faith in Christ, just as those who have put their faith Faith in Christ made righteous in Christ. The question for you is, what does it look like now for you who have been set free free from sin and death? What does it look like for you to walk on this side of freedom? What does it look like? I was asking myself that this week. Ask yourself that question. What does it look like? Consider your life like real life. Like sometimes there's this like Christian version of life. But come on, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bad hair days, smelly breath, you know, dirty underwear kind of life. Consider your everyday waking, moving, breathing life in the day-to-day, in the minutia. What are the holy rituals? You know what I'm talking about? What are the sacred rhythms that you, not the person next to you, but you are committing to and establishing to stay intimate with the Lord? To stay close to the Lord. To keep in step with the Spirit. Because as followers of Jesus, I'm just not so sure we're always doing such a good job of thinking and considering these things. There's this danger of just saying yes to Jesus, but then keep on doing what you've always been doing. I mean, I was thinking about this in my own life. Jesus has radically rescued me. Anybody else radically rescued by Jesus? Like, praise the Lord. I mean, he delivers me. It's an exodus from my old way of living. There's scriptures that tell me the old is gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation. It's a new community established by his blood. But how am I walking this out? And even more importantly, how am I allowing the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to help me walk this out? How am I doing? How are you doing? Consider your life. This freedom that you've been given in Christ. Consider your life. How are you walking this out? And if we could be intentional here, if we could be strategic here. These are the questions I was asking myself. What spiritual disciplines have I set up? And again, I think you need the Holy Spirit to inspire you here. You don't want to just go back into some legalistic list of rules and regulations. But because of the freedom that you have in Christ, how is the Lord inspiring you? How is he helping you and teaching you to walk close with him? What are the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that you set up to stay close to the Lord? What boundaries have you established? Everything's legal in America these days. So the, the whole argument, when I was a youth pastor, parents were always like, well, you need to tell them to stop doing that because don't you know it's illegal? And by the way, I never did that. If you were my youth student, I never told you to stop doing anything. What I told you is love Jesus, follow Jesus, <laughs> talk to Jesus. I was the worst youth pastor for parents because I wouldn't, I said I'm not a cop and I'm not a, you know, a principal. I, I'm a pastor. So I'm just going to tell them about Jesus. 
But the whole illegal legal thing isn't working anymore. Everything's legal. So you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That I might live in the abundance that Christ died for. That I might walk out the freedom that Christ paid for. Holy Spirit of God, inspire me to set up some boundaries, some healthy, good boundaries. Why? That I might walk in freedom. What commands am I following? We're all, I, I mean, I, I try to follow the 55 mile per hour speed limit command. Don't know how good I am at that one. But as a Holy Spirit filled believer in Jesus, on a day to day, morning to night, minutia of life kind of way, what commands am I following? Am I in the smallest of ways loving God and loving others? Examine your life. Again, I've seen it happen too often. Someone comes to Jesus. They accept Jesus in their life. And, and it's powerful. I mean, that is a powerful moment. Victory, freedom, forgiveness, eternal life, all the things. It's just incredible. But my brother Jeff wrote this song, and, and there's a line in there that I love. He says, you, you kind of just tack on Jesus and remain the same. And that's sad, isn't it? Because Jesus changed everything. And yet that person is still living their life like they're still living in Egypt. Jesus changed everything. I mean, it's a new way to be human, and yet that person is still living their life like they're living in Babylon. The life spring. God has set you free. <laughs> free. It is for freedom that he sets you free. He wants you to be free. He wants you to live in freedom. So I have some questions for you. Uh, if you have a pencil or a paper, I'd love for you to write down some answers as the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, if you don't have pencil or paper, maybe pull out your smartphone, a tablet. There's usually a notes section, something like that. I would love for you to respond to some of these questions. Again, as you sit here between you and the Lord, let the Holy Spirit speak. So here you go. First question for you. In your life, what does it look like to build an altar? To the Lord. In your life, what does it look like to build an altar to the Lord? And the reason I'm having you spend time with the Holy Spirit here is some of y'all, you guys are going through hard things. Just really, really hard things. Just this morning, I was talking to a few of you. You're going through unimaginable things, insurmountable obstacles and odds. Like, we, we understand that. And so you need the Lord. That, that's what my great uh, conclusion to all of that is, is that you need Jesus. You need the Lord, and you need the Holy Spirit to help you. And so here we are. You need help. You need the Lord. So what does it look like for you to build an altar to the Lord? Praise the Lord. We don't have to actually build an altar where we kill animals. I'm so thankful for that. That sounds awful. I stepped on a cricket once and cried, so that's, that's me. Uh, I would not do well at that. I, it's true. I was on Mount Rainier. I was like 10 years old, and I stepped on a cricket, and I heard every little thing break, and I, I just, that was it. That was the last cricket. Well, I've been saving crickets ever since 1990. But no, we don't have to kill an animal. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Read the book of Hebrews. It was a once and for all sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Can we just say praise the Lord? Praise God. The perfect sacrifice. But what does it look like for you to build an altar to the Lord? Again, 
the altar was the first thing they built. Oh, wow. Like that? That's challenging. Before I do anything else. Come on. This is, this is good. But it's also kind of challenging because there's a lot of things that we want to do in 2023. But before I do anything else, I'm going to make the commitment to build an altar to God where I give back to God. Right? Out of thanksgiving. Out of gratitude. I thank him for dying for my sins, or I thank him for even though there were insurmountable odds, I thank him for making a way where there seemed to be no way. Praise you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. So here's my life. As Romans 12, 1, we know it, right? It says you offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper worship. Why? Because you just want to say thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your son. And then they reestablished those festivals, the festival here of tabernacles or booths. You could think of this as a marker to remember what God has done for them in the past, but also a marker to look forward to what God's going to do in the future. What are you doing in your everyday life? What are you doing to remember what God has done, but also to look forward to what God is going to do? Lifespring as a church, what are we doing? I was thinking about we have some things that we do, don't we? To remember, they're markers to remember what God has done, but also to look forward. I love the Christmas season because in the Christmas season at LifeSpring, every year we're going to spend at least four weeks remembering what? That the long-awaited Messiah, that the expected Messiah, that he came. 2,000 years ago, he came. I love that about Christmas, that we celebrate that Messiah has come. But sometimes... I don't know what crisis you're walking through, but have you ever been tempted to believe, I don't know if even there is a God, right? You're walking through some hard things, and you put these things back into your life, these rhythms and rituals to say, oh, no, 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 no. My mind went there, but my spirit says, no, he came, and he's coming again. Hallelujah. Another great marker for us is communion as we celebrate communion. And yes, you could celebrate communion by yourself, and and I think that's a powerful thing to do. But I love that we do it corporately because even as a body, we are saying, oh, how good it is, how wonderful it is. It's this rhythm as a church body to say we remember what Jesus has done and we look forward to what he's going to do. So again, the question, and, and write down anything the Holy Spirit inspires you in this moment. Again, for you, what does this look like in your life? Again, I I don't know what your life is looking like, but you do. And what does this look like? What does it look like to build the foundations of the temple in your life? Because the temple, we no longer have to go to a city. You know, we don't have to go to Jerusalem to find the temple. The temple now resides where? In us. Uh, Corinthians says it resides in us whenever his people gather, but also resides in us. And so the foundation of that temple, well, his name starts with a J, right? The foundation is Jesus. The five of you that said that, it's two points. The foundation is Jesus, 1 Corinthians 3. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is, say it with me, Jesus Christ. Okay. So Jesus Christ is the foundation which has already been laid. Anything else that is going to be built is going to be built on him it's interesting when i was a christian when i was younger i'm talking about like 12 13 years old did anyone else do this where jesus was a part of your life like you had these different compartments of your life and there was the jesus compartment anyone else do that so you had the you know basketball compartment 
girlfriend compartment and then Jesus compartment. And you just kind of went compartment by compartment. And then do you remember the epiphany you had when you were younger in the faith? Do you remember that? It was a revelation, wasn't it? When you realized, no, 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 no. He's not just a compartment. He's like everything. And so you took him. Remember when that happened? Mature believer, remember that? And you said, no, no, no. Actually, he's the center of it all. Like he's the foundation of the foundation. Like he is everything. He is what Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is where I no longer live, but Christ who lives within me. And then all those other little things, whether it's sports or relationships or diet or exercise, all those different things, they all flowed from what? From Jesus being the center of it all. Do you remember when that happened? But what does that look like for you today? What is it? September 17th, 2023. What does it look like for you right now? To build upon that foundation of Christ where he is the center of it all. I mean, we sang it all the time. Like, Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. But we sing it. But are we living it? How do we build on that foundation? Be intentional. Again, in this moment, I'm not, we're not waiting for tomorrow. We're not waiting for this evening. Holy Spirit is here. He can do the impossible. He can speak right now. He can speak. He is speaking. What is he asking you to do? I love that today is our ministry fair because we're giving you some like tangible, practical things you could do to help build upon that foundation. We're asking you to join a life group. We're asking you to come back on Sunday nights, take a next level class. We're asking you to sign up for the reading plan. Again, this is the stuff of freedom. This is what free people do. People that are free in Christ, who are in a culture that might be a little different than the kingdom of Christ. But we can live in this culture free in Christ as we do these things, as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in these places of freedom. Again, what are you doing? Build the altar. Celebrate the festivals. Build the foundation. But then also, church, we worship. And, oh, you sounded good today. I mean, Mary... You probably heard it. I mean, uh, it was, um, how great is our God? And then what was the song? Great is thy faithfulness. Church, we need to sing. Great is thy faithfulness. You need to sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Sing with your mouth. Shout with your mouth. Singing, it's mentioned over 400 times in the Bible. Are you singing to the Lord? When I'm in my worst moments... I have found that singing is a very powerful weapon. I was just talking to a dear friend about that this morning. Even as Pastor Tom Gordon, who was a pastor in Edgewood, as he was dying of cancer, whether I was visiting him in the hospital room, whether I was with him in hospice care, I always sang. Always. We, we sang. And, and if he wasn't feeling good enough to sing, I just sang over him. And I would always sing the, you know, I'm going to sing in the middle of the night. Right? Just come on. Like, Raise a hallelujah. I would sing to the Lord. People sing. Anyone ever have a hard day before? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Man, I've been having some hard days. Hard days. People have been saying things about me. People have been uh, responding to me in ways that uh, just have made my life kind of miserable lately. And I've found that, um, you know, I'm a proactive, healthy guy. I'm, I'm all about, you know, growth mentality and victory and, you know, in every way. And what I eat, you know, my diet, exercise, 
all those things. Like we're just living the victorious life. But I've found that some of those attacks, none of that touches it. Like eating my carrots doesn't fix that. <laughs> Getting a good night's sleep didn't solve that. The only weapon that I've found to be truly effective is to sing to the Lord. And I want to encourage you. I, I speak and I meet with a lot of you that are struggling. You're, you're hurting. You're, you're suffering. And yet I also know that you, you don't sing. And I would encourage you, sing to the Lord. If you don't know what to sing, sing in the spirit to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Commune with the Lord. Worship the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. <laughs> sing to the Lord. He will help you. Okay, so they return and they rebuild. And I'm going to close here in, in just a second. But I, I, I was reading something by Tim Mackey. He's a Bible scholar. And I love what he wrote. And I want to just say, he said that they weren't just rebuilding structures, but that they are rebuilding their identity. And I think that's a really good word for us, church. Like even as we head into this new season corporately, even to a new location, I, I want to encourage you. Even in the things you just wrote down for you personally, as you begin to walk out the things the Holy Spirit is inspiring you, inspiring you to do, think about what you're doing. You are establishing or maybe reestablishing and building or rebuilding an identity that is found in Jesus. And so I have a lot of hope for you. I have a lot of hope for me. See, this could be one of the most powerful weeks of your life. I mean, game changer level. Because as you walk some of this out, again, not just muscling up to try to be a good boy or a little, you know, good girl or something, but actually walking out what the Holy Spirit is inspiring you to walk out. You are going to be reminding yourself of what? Of who you are and whose you are. And as we move into this new season as a church, as we pray about our new location, as the Lord leads us forward, what we do, like right now, this next year, it matters so much. The patterns that we establish, the sacred rhythms, the holy rituals that we establish to remember the Lord, to look back, but also to look forward. The foundations that we're building upon the firm foundation, Jesus Christ, and the worship, like what we're doing when we're singing together, it all matters. All of it. All of it. This matters. And also, by the way, newsflash, as you put these things to practice, as you walk this out, not everybody around you is going to be happy about it. Including the enemy himself. You're going to face some opposition. I don't have time to go into it. Read chapter 4. It's opposition. It's opposition to the temple being built it gets bad it gets real bad in fact just a couple of verses verse 4 it says the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of judah and make them afraid to go on building you ever been discouraged by somebody before you ever had someone say something that got you kind of afraid in fact it says they bribed officials to work against them frustrate their plans later there's this group of men they write this letter to Artaxerxes the king. The letter's just brutal. It says, if this city is built, oh, Artaxerxes, if this city is built, if its walls are restored, no more taxes, no more tribute or duty will be paid. Eventually, those royal revenues will suffer. They go on to describe Jerusalem as a rebellious city, troublesome to kings. Again, if the city and the walls are rebuilt, they, they say, king, you're going to be left with nothing. 
So the king writes back to them, verse 19, he says, It was found that this city has a long history of revolt against kings and has been a place of rebellion and sedition. And so he orders the work to stop. In your life, as you intentionally commit to rebuilding your identity in Christ, as you commit to living with and for Christ, you will face opposition. You will face Opposition, life spring as a church, we will face opposition. We don't share all the stories with you, but we are already facing so much. But I want to encourage you, be strong in the Lord. I want to encourage you, the Lord is with you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If he has the power to set you free, think about this. If he has the power to set you free from sin and death, if he has the power to set you free from sin and death, to deliver, I mean, just think of what Jesus has done. If he has the power to deliver you from the death grip that sin and the evil one had over your life, if he can do that, then I'm here to tell you in faith that he can do and he has the power to do whatever you need him to do this week. I'm just telling you, whatever opposition you face, whatever giant you face, whatever wall you come up to, if he can do that, then he can do anything you're facing this week. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Like whatever it is, he's got it. Trust in God. Trust in God. Put your faith in the Lord. He can help you. He can help you. Would you stand with me? He can help you. He can help you navigate your job. He can help you navigate your family, your school, your classmates. He can help you love your friends. He can even help you love your enemies. He's got you. He will help you if you give him permission. If you give him permission to stir you up. Some of y'all just need to wake up and say, God, stir me up because I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm tired of sleepwalking through this life. Stir me up for your kingdom and for your glory. Stir me up for your purposes and your plans. Give him permission. He will fill you. He will fill you fresh and anew because it is a new covenant that he has brought you into. I just pray this over you right now. He has not brought you into a system of rules and regulations. He's brought you into a life that is full of freedom. Freedom and abundance. Freedom and abundance. I see some of you right now dancing in the garden of God. I don't know what that means personally, but I know it means something to you. That you are dancing in the garden of God. That the enemy has tried to steal your dance. But you right now are set free in the name of Jesus and you're dancing in the garden of God. I see some of you, you have an ailment and the ailment has been prayed for 20, 30, 40 times. And I just hear the whisper of God saying, do it again. And so we pray right now, if you have an ailment and you need healing, raise your hand. I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus, that there would be healing in this place, healing because Jesus, you have done what only you could do. And if you can raise from the dead, then you can do whatever any of us in this room need right now. So every ailment, every sickness, every disease, Lord, we pray for a washing of your spirit, that any area where someone is fractured or broken or feeling like they could never have the pieces put back together, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would do a miraculous creative work and their house would be rebuilt and it would be better than it has ever been before. That even what it once was, they would be like, I ain't going back there because what God's doing today is better than anything I've ever experienced.
And so, Lord, just a fresh wind and a fresh fire of your spirit to blow on your people again, that people would leave here walking in victory, walking in true abundance, and walking in eternal life. Lord, would you do that for your children today? Because we are committing right now to walk this thing out, to walk this thing out, to walk this thing out, to walk this thing out. Some of you are like, but Dan, you don't know what I did last night. Well, the Lord's grace is big enough for that thing. The Lord's grace is big enough for that thing. But His grace doesn't just cover your sin. His grace also transforms your heart. So allow the Holy Spirit right now to change you. He's willing to do that. I know in your mind you're like, no, no one could change this. And the Lord's saying, have you seen what I've done before? I'm going to do it again. And allow the Holy Spirit right now to change your heart. That's the business that He's in, and He's so good at what He does. The Holy Spirit of God, would you transform right now our hearts? Our hearts of stone that are so stubborn and rebellious. We need them to be replaced with a heart of flesh that is live and beating for your kingdom and for your glory. Do that work in me right now, Lord. Do that work in this church right now, Lord. We need a renewing of our minds. Lord, I listen to so many podcasts. I read so many books. And yet, Lord, you've been convicting me like, Dan, when are you going to stop watching and listening and reading and just come to me? Because I can renew your mind. Lord, do that right now. It's a creative work. The same Spirit who hovered over the waters, who created the heavens and the earth, right now can create new pathways in your brain. Hallelujah. I believe that, Lord. For some of you today, right now, the Lord wants to do that creative miracle in your mind, a renewing of your mind. We're not just thinking happy thoughts. We're being radically changed by the power of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.